The nice part about precious metals is they are definitely global. There's demand for them in the US, Asia, Europe, the Middle East, Australia, all over the world. I think a lot of times people look at it as precious metals have a several thousand year history about retaining value across various countries and various cultures. I personally look at precious metals as money, but without a country and without that central bank manipulation. Hi, everyone. Are you looking for an investment during times of inflation? Are you interested in diversifying your investment portfolio? Or maybe you're just looking for investment alternatives for when the stock or bond markets aren't doing so well. In any case, how much do you know about precious metals as an investment? We'll cover all of this and more on this episode, number 108, of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. My guest expert, Patrick Yip, will share his expertise on such things as what precious metals you might want to consider investing in, why there's been an upward global trend in the purchase of precious metals, what makes precious metals a great investment opportunity for some people, and a few of the ways you can invest in precious metals should you decide to do so. You'll also hear tips on how to choose the right company to do business with when you make an investment in precious metals. Patrick Gipp is the Director of Business Development at Atmex and One Gold. Atmex is one of the largest retailers of physical gold, silver, platinum, and palladium and has sold over $15 billion in product over its 20-plus year history. One Gold is a fast-growing online precious metals platform that has processed over $750 million in transactions during its first three years in business. Patrick joined Atmex in 2011 and has held roles in merchandising, sales, project management, and business development. He played a key role in the company's 250-plus percentage growth on marketplaces such as eBay, Amazon, and Walmart. Prior to Atmex, Patrick held roles at asset management companies and at Fortune 500s such as Disney and 20th Century Fox. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Yes, we're all about opportunities here. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Well, hi, Patrick. Welcome to Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Business, Career, and investment seekers. Hey, Jeff, thanks for having me on. Well, I'm delighted to have you on. There are many subjects where I have guests on, Patrick, and I have, I would say, a fair to good familiarity with the trend and the area of their expertise. Yours is not one of them. So that's why I'm intrigued by this. I think a lot of people probably don't know as much about this other than saying, a lot of advertisements and infomercials about it. 
So today we want to really delve into this and have you shed some more light on precious metals, which of course is going to be our focus. So first, I'm curious, and I'm sure that many of my listeners will be curious to know, Patrick, how did you first become interested in precious metals yourself and also as an investment? Yeah, that's a great question to start. I often get that question a lot because precious metals is a niche industry. So I'm sure you and many of your guests will remember what happened in 2008. Back then, I had your typical portfolio composed of stocks and bonds, just like everyone else, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Financial crisis obviously hit and my portfolio got chopped in half. Now, it, you know, obviously it was painful back then, but now I kind of joke that my 401k became a 201k. <laughs> but I, I asked my I financial that. advisor, I said, well, what happened? I said, and, and I recall him saying like, well, no one could have predicted that crash. And that was a black swan event. It got me looking into Austrian economics and eventually precious metals. So actually during 2008, precious metals initially corrected with the stock market, but they ended up positive for the year. So after the next couple of years in 2008, I became more and more interested in precious metals. In 2011, I actually decided to move from LA, where I was lived there since probably since the late 80s, to Oklahoma City, which is obviously right in the middle of the country. And I've been with Atmex for about 11 years right now, and I'm, I'm loving it. That's terrific. When we talk about precious metals, most people will think about gold and silver first. That's what will come to their mind. I think it's important to have you define for us, Patrick, what we mean, what you mean by precious metals in the context of investment. Yeah, so there are four precious metals, and we could get into the details in a bit too. There's gold, there's silver, which are the most common ones. And then there's also platinum and palladium too, are, are the less common ones too. Mm. From there, there are different forms of precious metals. So there is a coin, which is minted by a government, such as the US Mint here in the US, the Royal Canadian Mint in Canada, or like the Royal Mint in the UK. Coins typically have a country on it. So the US Gold Eagle will say United States of America, and it also has a denomination. So it might say $50 on it. So that's a coin. A round looks similar to a coin, but it's typically minted by a private company. So it's not going to say United States of America on it. It's not going to have the $50. And then lastly, there are bars and bars could be as small as one gram or large as, let's say, a thousand ounces. So like, I mean, imagine like the movie scenes that you see vaults of gold and silver bars. Yeah. Um, so bars are typically minted by a private company and they're rectangular or square shapes. And then from there, there's different ways to invest in precious metals. So there's the bullion side, which is which trades very close to the commodity price. So these are the people who want to get into gold or silver because they think the gold or silver price is likely to go up. So that's the first part of the way to invest. And then the next way to invest is what we call numismatics, which is a fancy term. It's basically describing the rare coin market. So if you like collector coins, collector art, numismatics might be right for you. So those that's a kind of a high level definition of what you know I consider precious metals. Yeah. Is gold considered to be the most precious of metals or is that just something that I've been brainwashed to think? <laughs> yeah. So there is gold is typically what people look for when they want like a like a hedge against inflation or insurance or like a portfolio diversification. Like here at Atmex, we're actually one of the largest bullion dealers in the U.S. We've been in business for about 20 years. We sold over 15 billion in lifetime sales. In general, about two thirds of our sales are going to be gold. Two thirds of our dollar amounts is gold. And then let's say about 30% is silver. And then the rest is platinum and palladium. I'm curious. And again, we may go further into this in a little bit. Gold is perceived as being like the kingpin of all of this stuff. But could there potentially be greater appreciation value in buying something other than gold at times? 
silver tends to be more volatile than gold. So like I mentioned, a lot of people, and I personally, myself, I like gold as hedge for insurance. But a lot of times people look at, they say, I like gold, but I want a little bit more upside. That's what silver essentially does too. So like, let's say gold went up by 1%, silver is likely to go up by 2%. And then similarly, if gold went down 1%, silver might go down 2%. So it's kind of like the higher volatility, higher beta version of gold. And how about those other two precious metals? What more can you tell us about them? I'm not as familiar with them. Was platinum one of them? Yeah. And then palladium? Platinum is one and palladium is other. Yeah. Those metals, I know platinum is used in jewelry here and there, but a large part of platinum and palladium is used as a catalyst for catalytic converters. So in cars and, and trucks, they put it in the catalytic converter to clean up some of the air pollution too. So that's the primary use of them. I would say they still are precious metals, but I personally would probably stay away from them from an investment side because they have to do a lot more with industry that I guess the safe haven like gold and silver. Okay. So would it be accurate to say that really when we're focusing in on precious metals as an investment, we mainly want to be thinking about gold and silver? That's correct. That's, okay. Let's dig into the first aspect of looking forward, which is we look at trends global trends. What trends are having an impact these days, Patrick, on precious metal investments? So I think in the U.S., you'll see that inflation is one of the topics that people are talking about. And it's the same thing across the world. You could go in Europe, different countries. Inflation is a global problem. I like to use data. I like to say, well, what could we learn from history? So if you look back at past inflationary cycles, in the 1960s, we had an inflationary cycle and it took the Fed nine years to resolve that inflation. And then fast forward a little bit to the 1970s, we had another inflationary cycle and it took the Fed five years to resolve that. So they got a little bit better. I think it's important to note that we're about two years into this current inflationary cycle and many people are feeling the pain of inflation just two years in. What does that mean though? Okay, how could an investor position themselves with inflation now? And let's look at stocks, for example. 1960s, the S&P actually lost 26% in that nine-year inflationary cycle. And keep in mind, inflation was north of 12%. So not only did you lose nominal purchasing power in your stocks, you also lost purchasing power due to inflation. And then you look at the 1970s, the S&P actually increased, but only by 4% when inflation hit about 15%. So not the best option for stocks. And let's look at gold. In the 1960s, gold went up from about $35 to $200. And then in the 1970s, gold went up from about $100 to about $850. So gold clearly performed well in inflation. Stock struggled and cash was probably not the place to be. You're speaking about inflation and the impact it can have on either having money as cash or having money in stock versus, let's say, gold. Anything else going on that would mark a trend in terms of the interest in or what's happening with precious metal investments? Yeah, so if we go back to like 2019 and look forward to where we currently are, we're seeing all kinds of trends and, and we sell to 80 plus countries across the world. We sell everywhere. We're seeing our new customers being like double and triple from what they were a couple of years ago. We're seeing sales are basically all time records. We had with several of our best days this year and the company's 20 plus year history. So people are buying, people are running to hard assets. And this is all driven by just inflation. People are looking at inflation. They're seeing a lot of the central banks start printing money. And, and this is in the US, this is in Europe, this is in Asia. All the central banks are just printing money to get out of, of this COVID mess that we've had in the past couple of years. And as a result, people are saying, well, I want something tangible. 
Like, what is a dollar worth if the government could just hit a couple keystrokes and make more dollars? A lot of times people are looking to certain things. They're looking to gold. Gold has a couple thousand year history. To some extent, they're looking at cryptos too, because cryptos, you cannot, especially like Bitcoin, you can't just hit a button and more Bitcoin appear out of thin air. They're, they're looking to anything. Could be any hard assets, could be real estate, could be anything people want is, is just a diversification out of something that cannot be easily printed or easily manipulated. You alluded to this, Patrick. Looking forward is heard by listeners all around the world, and you mentioned some global examples there. Are there any differences between how precious metals are viewed as an investment in different parts of the world? We are not U.S.-centric here, although admittedly a lot of the trends may come from here. When you look at other parts of the world, you mentioned you're dealing with all different countries and some of them are printing more currency and so forth. How do people view gold and silver in other parts of the world? Are they as affected by it, enamored of it as maybe people in the United States are? Yeah, the nice part about precious metals is they are definitely global. There's demand for them in the U.S., Asia, Europe, the Middle East, Australia, all over the world. I think a lot of times people look at it as precious metals have a several thousand year history about retaining value across various countries and various cultures. I personally look at precious metals as money, but without a country and without that central bank manipulation. So unlike the dollars, unlike euros, where we mentioned where central banks could easily print more of these into existence, you can't easily do that with gold. You have to mine it. You have to pull it out of the ground. There's a lot of hard labor, hard costs into getting gold. And then sometimes I get people saying, hey, you can't spend your gold. Um, what do I do if I have a gold coin? I reply with, well, you can't spend your euros here either. We're in the U.S. Doesn't mean the euros don't have value. You could easily exchange your euros into U.S. dollars and then spend those U.S. dollars. Similarly, you could easily exchange that gold wherever you are in the world for euros, dollars, British pounds, wherever you are, it's easily convertible. That's interesting to know because I sometimes have thought about that. Like I have gold, what am I supposed to do with it? This is a sort of an offshoot question. You said you have to mine gold, you have to mine silver. Do those places, those countries where silver and gold are mined benefit when there is this increase in interest? And do they similarly really get hurt badly when gold and silver aren't so much in vogue? Yeah, I would say they, they definitely benefit and they do get hurt too, depending on the demand of, of gold and silver. And gold and silver are mined all across the world. I mean, uh, they're mined in Canada a lot. They're mined in Australia, mined in South Africa. I think an interesting thing that you bring up too is sometimes people ask about mining stocks too. Do you get invested in mining stocks as an exposure to gold and silver? I think one of the most important things to do is, is you look at the management team and you could have a great management team or you could have a bad management team too. And just because that mine has the gold in the ground doesn't necessarily mean your investment in that mining share is going to correlate with the gold price. It's a good point. As you know, Patrick, the essence of looking forward is about opportunities. That's what we like to share with people. When we're thinking about precious metals, what opportunities might it offer to any or possibly all of the following groups? You don't have to necessarily cite all of them, but if you could give us some examples, job and career seekers entrepreneurs, freelancers, small businesses, and of course, an obvious one in your case is investors. Yeah, I think one of the strongest opportunities for precious metals, whatever you are, whether you're a job seeker, you're an investor, entrepreneur or something, eventually you're going to have a portfolio of assets. And I think that gold is great diversification strategy. 
So as people become more successful, they start investing in stocks and bonds. And typically, if you went to a financial advisor, they would say 60% stocks, 40% bonds. If you're okay with more volatility, maybe you go heavier stocks. If, you, if you're if you older and you want less volatility, you go more bonds. I mean, you everyone has heard that argument over and over. As I mentioned, I like looking at history. So we said, well, what do, what could we learn from the past 50 years of data? And how could we incorporate gold into someone's investing decision? So if I look at the past 50 years of data, looking at 10-year average returns. So this is look assuming you held a portfolio for 10 years. So I'm not going to penalize stocks in 2008. I'm not going to reward gold in 2011. Let's normalize all that stuff too, just, just to see what we could do. But you could actually have the return of almost 100% stock portfolio with the volatility of a bond portfolio by having an allocation of gold. And how this works is if I look at stocks for the last 50 years on a real return basis, so this is adjusted for inflation, stocks are going to return about 7% annually every single year and have a standard deviation of, of about 5%. And that's the volatility. The better case is you want a low standard deviation. No one wants their assets up 50% the next day, down 50%. You're, you're okay. going to lose sleep over that. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the stock portfolio. The 100% bond portfolio has a 5% annual return. So 2% lower than the stock portfolio and then a 3% standard deviation. So also 2% lower than the stock portfolio too. If you allocated 80% to the S&P, 20% to gold, you basically removed bonds from your portfolio. You could actually have an annual return of 6.7%. So 0.3% lower than the stock portfolio but a standard deviation of 2.7%, so lower than that bond portfolio. So you almost get the best of both worlds, best returns of stocks with the volatility of a bond portfolio. So I think that's a great opportunity for any person who has extra assets to save and, and they want to allocate some to gold. Basically, you would be suggesting the possibility that somebody might be exchanging bonds for gold as an investment? That's correct. And I would like to say too, obviously it depends on who you are. Obviously, if you're a 20 year old person and you're just getting started with your career, maybe you become a little more aggressive. I have family members who are in their eighties and I actually recommended them, them stay in cash despite what inflation is doing because they might need the money in the next year or two. Unfortunately, I don't know what gold's going to do. I don't know what silver is going to do in the short term, long term I'm bullish, but I can't tell you what it's going to happen next year. Yeah. And who can, right? I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers or raise funding, event hosting and meeting facilitation, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff dashostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward, opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. Patrick, I'm thinking about the topic that you briefly covered before, which is mining stocks. I know you don't deal with this so much, but thinking in broader terms, is there an opportunity for somebody who wants to buy into some sort of a 
precious metal fund, something not necessarily purely gold, but maybe it's not a mining company or a mining stock, but a bundle of these kinds of companies that are involved in precious metals. Is there any play there? Yeah, there's several ways to get exposure to precious metals. I'll highlight two of them that I personally like. I like vaulted. I like physical. You could also get involved in futures, but I would ne- definitely not do futures if you don't know how to trade and you don't know how to do charts and you, and you don't know how to do leverage. There's the whole mining stocks that we talked about too. And, and that is a lot of times you have to read the 10Ks, know the management team, which is a much more complicated investment. Let me talk about two that I personally like and I personally recommend. But like I said, everyone do your own due diligence. This is just my personal recommendation. The first thing is vaulted. So back in 2018, Atmex, our parent company, actually partnered with Sprott Asset Management out of Canada. And Sprott is a large alternative asset manager with about $22 billion in assets under management. So we wanted to create a modern way to own precious metals. And many people call it like the Robin Hood or Coinbase of precious metals because it is so intuitive. But what one gold is, it's a platform that allows you to buy, sell, and trade vaulted positions of gold, silver, and platinum stored at various vaults around the world. So in the US, Canada, Switzerland, and the UK, the metal is typically stored at like a Brinks or Loomis vault. It's fully insured, fully audited. When you purchase it, you actually have direct title of your metal, but you don't need to worry about getting it, securing it, storing it. And let's say you, I really like this metal, but I want to have my gold in my hand. We offer a redemption option where you could swap this position in one gold for any of the 25,000 products available at Apex. So that's one, one option I recommend. And for users who just want a simple way to get in, not having to worry about which products do I buy, how to store it, and so on. That's the first way. The next way I like is physical too. The best part about physical, it's tangible. It's off the grid. No one knows you have it. You could easily pass it from generation to generation. Your taxes are 100% self-reported. I do recommend that you report your taxes, but a lot of times people like the, the privacy of precious metals investments when it's physical. I would say if you do decide to buy physical, obviously you work for Atmex, I recommend Atmex. But if you don't want to buy from Atmex, make sure to choose a credible dealer. Look at their time in history. Call them up. See if you get if someone answers the phone. Will they answer your questions? Google them. I mean, look at reviews. Find out who you're dealing with because unfortunately, Precious metals are not a regulated industry. So we're not regulated by the CFTC or SEC. So there's a lot of scammy people in the business and you want to make sure that you're buying at a fair price. That's excellent guidance. We may have you give a few more tips in a little bit here. How about from the perspective of somebody who's a burgeoning Patrick and they're thinking, geez, you know, this sounds like an exciting career to get involved with. Maybe there's something that I might do that will get me involved with it. Either maybe if I'm a student and I'm studying something that would help me with that, or maybe I'm not happy with what I'm doing and I want to change careers. Are there opportunities for those people and how might they go about that? Yeah, at Abbott's, we're always hiring. You could go on our site. You can look at our careers page. There are several positions open. But one of the things I would recommend that someone do is find a passion that you're into. Like I personally like investments. I like precious metals. I actually look at precious metals on my evenings, on my weekends. I just like looking at it. It's just, it's just what, what I do. It's, it's what makes me. There's other people who might like real estate too. So I would say find your passion and pursue that because what's going to happen over time is let's say I'm in precious metals. I look at precious metals for 80 or 100 hours a week. And then my competitor always just into precious metals just because he or she got a job in it. And he or she spent 30, 40 hours a week. Well, guess what is going to happen over time? I'm going to have spent so much more time than my peer 
that they're not even going to be able to keep up with me. So I would say find your passion and it could be real estate. It could be cryptos. Find whatever interests you. Spend a ton of time at it. Be the best at it. And chances are no one's going to be able to compete in the long run with you. Yeah, that's excellent guidance for no matter what field somebody decides to embark upon. There's no question. You have to have some sort of a passion for it to keep you motoring along when things aren't necessarily going as well and to have that excitement that makes you want to keep on top of things as you were alluding to. Looking forward is also about looking into the future. That's partly why it's called looking forward. So you not being a futurist, and even if you were, so what? It wouldn't necessarily guarantee things would happen. You know a heck of a lot more than I do about precious metals. If you were looking into the future, say the rest of this decade, Patrick, what do you see in terms of the interest in precious metals as an investment, how they might perform, downside risks? There have to be risks with all of these things. What are you seeing as you look into the future just this decade? Yeah, so my thought is a lot of investments are cyclical. Nothing goes up forever. And this could be precious metals. This could be stocks. There's never going to be a a long-term thing that's going to outperform everything over history. So I know we talked about the 60s. We talked about the 70s. Let's fast forward a couple decades. Let's look at the modern times too. So let's start looking at 2000 and forward. So 2000 to 2011. I'm sure a lot of you who are in stocks probably noticed that your stock portfolio didn't do so well. Basically, you have people saying that that was a lost decade. Stocks basically were flat from the first part of the decade. Um, you look at gold, on the other hand, gold went up from 200 to 1900. So 200, 250 actually in 2000 up to 1900 in 2011. And then let's look fast forward 2011 to now. Stocks basically outperformed most other assets. Stocks went from 1250 in the S&P to 4800. Obviously not there right now. We're having a little bit of correction in stocks. But then you look at gold, for example. Gold struggled for that the second decade of the century too. So from 2011 to now, it basically has been flat to down. But the way I look at it, too, given the current inflationary cycles that are here, given that Fed is increasing rates, if we see a repeat of the 1960s or 1970s, gold may double or quadruple from here. Obviously, no one knows, but I'm just looking at a lot of things and and a lot of things tend to move in cycles. Wow. Well, you heard it, people. And if you're not happy with what happens in the next few years in gold, you know the guy that you're going to get in touch with. I'm just (laughs) kidding, Patrick. So there's certainly an upside here with investments in gold. And to some extent, silver, you're not talking as much about silver. What somebody would have to watch out for is the cyclicality of these things. Yeah. And what I like to say, obviously, no one knows the top. No one knows the bottom. Right. I always tell my followers and Ed, my friends who like say, let's look at the downside versus let's look at the upside. For example, let's look at silver. I know you mentioned silver. We're not talking a lot about silver. Let's talk about silver. So in the COVID crash of 2020, silver went down to $12. And then it rebounded sharply from there. Basically, it didn't last too long at $12. And then it's also been at $50 twice in history. It was at $50 in the the 1980s, and then it was $50 in 2011. So I look at it right now. It's currently trading about $20. Okay, well, what's your downside versus what's your upside? Well, downside, it hit 12, but it didn't last long there. So maybe you got $8 in the downside. Your upside, 20 to 50, maybe you have $30 in the upside. So it's like, well, do you feel like it's a good time to get invested? And then let's say you said, okay, I want to get in silver. I would say don't go all in. Obviously, don't go all in in anything. But let's say you had $30,000 to put in silver. And this is just a nice round number. Maybe you go 10000 at 20. 10000 if it hits 18. No guarantees it's ever going to hit 18. And maybe you hit another 10000 if it hits 16. So that way you're scaling down. You'd hate to say, okay, well, 
I think it's going to hit 18 and you never got in and it went to 30. Well, not the best solution. Or, or you, you hate to buy in right now at 100% of your position at 20 and it went down to 14. You're like, well, I should have waited. So to buy in tranches um, and weigh your downside versus your upside. Good point. Like you to give us a few more tips about how one might approach this investment. You talked about be careful who you're dealing with and do your due diligence. Does somebody need to think about their age? You alluded to that. Does somebody need to think about how much money they need to have in order to do this? What else would you tell people as guidance for them? Yeah, so I would say, and, and obviously, and I know I mentioned that allocation of 80% gold, 20% S&P. I would say everyone's different. Maybe to start, I, first of all, I would definitely recommend everyone have an allocation to gold and silver. Maybe start with 5%, 1%, 2%, whatever you feel comfortable with. Let it sit, wait for a month, wait for two months, see how you feel then. If you feel that, okay, I'm a little underexposed to gold, maybe buy a little bit more. If you feel that you're good, so be it. That works with you. I would say everyone has a different threshold in terms of what they feel, how they feel about different things. That's the first thing I would say. And then when you do look for a precious metals dealer, I would say, look at their reviews. I mean, one of the simplest things you could do right now is Google the company. You could Google Atmex reviews. You look at it. Do you feel comfortable with them? If so, great. Buy from them. I'd like you to buy from them. I clearly work from them. But if you feel that another dealer is better than us, then honestly, go with them. Use your best judgment. And like I said, there are a lot of people who rip people off in the precious metals industry. At Atmex, we've been in business for over 20 years. We have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. I believe 98% of our customers, based on a survey, would actually use us again to make a future purchase. So do things like that. Look, look at your companies. Look at who you're buying from. And it's just like anything you do. You book a hotel, you look at the reviews. Um, decide for yourself. Exactly. One other question on that. You have these clinics, let's say where you have a bunch of eye doctors and they all work under this one clinic. And yeah, the clinic might have a good reputation in general, but we know from our experience that one doctor is really a lot better than maybe another doctor. Does it work that way in your industry? Like, yeah, I work for this gold company, this company that deals in gold. And maybe there's a person there who's really honest and good. And then there's somebody who's really not that honest and good. How would you sort that? Or does it pretty much come down to how the company itself overall is rated by people? There's two large players in the industry on the retail side that are about the same size. So there's Atmex and there's another company too that probably have about, let's say, 30 to 35% of the market share in the US. And then the rest of the companies are a lot smaller than that. So that would be one of the reasons I would say use Atmex. But in terms of reputation, do we do a lot of background checks over here. So we have to do anti-money laundering compliance. We do know your customer compliance. We background check everyone. We have pretty strict programs in place too. So for example, we have a sales team that helps people on a couple of things. I mean, one, you could be new to precious metals. You could want to talk to someone to understand why gold, why silver, whatever it is. We have a sales people and we have certain training too. So we're not going to try to put you into something that's not right for you. So if you said, hey, I'm new to gold, I want something that's going to give me a great exposure to the gold price they're going to recommend you probably gold bullion, which basically trades at a very small markup to the gold price. On the other hand, if you said, hey, I'm starting a coin collection and, and I want a set of these coins and which one do you think I buy? Obviously, you're clearly a collector, but in less concern about the bullion price, they'll recommend the right product for you. But we do have strict training standards. Everyone has to meet a certain criteria or they wouldn't be working at the company. Okay. And just to clarify one other thing, if I am living outside the United States, 
which might be a lot of people here. Are there other companies that I would have to buy these precious metals from other big players that are not in the United States? Would I be able to buy from you? Conversely, would people live in the United States be able to buy from some European company or some Asian company? How does that all work? Yeah, a lot of good questions there too. There, there are dealers across the world too. One of the things I would recommend, and getting back to my two recommendations too, if you are buying physical, I would say be aware of your customs and tax laws too. So let's say you're in Germany, for example, and you want silver. They're going to charge a VIT, which is a value-added tax to import that silver over there, which is obviously you don't want to pay taxes on any investment. It's like if you were buying a $100 share of a stock and the company says, hey, you got to pay taxes and now becomes $110. Well, that's not the greatest solution. So I would say definitely be aware of your current situation in your country too. And then one of the easiest ways, I think, for international people to get involved in gold is that vaulted solution. And we do offer accounts in US dollars, Canadian dollars, euros, and uh, British pounds too. Let's say you're in Germany. You want to open a, a one gold account. You could fund it in euros. You could buy gold in euros. And then let's say you said, okay, you know, I want to liquidate my gold. You could do a sell transaction and do a withdraw and we'll process the wire or basically bank direct debit same day and you'll get it in your account likely same day or next day. So super easy, but I would say look at fiscal, look at your taxes, look at one gold as an option, probably a simpler option to avoid some of these taxes and import duties. Okay. Very helpful. Patrick, this has been great. I want to know what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you, to learn more about you, Atmex, One Gold, how they might work with you and whatever else you'd like them to know about precious metals. Yeah. So if you prefer the physical metals, I would say definitely recommend checking out appmex.com. That's A-P-M-E-X.com. We also have a mobile app too. So you could download it on the Apple App Store, Google Play Store. And if you want to look into that vaulted solution, which is personally what I like too as well, it's super easy. Um, check out onegold.com. That's O-N-E-G-O-L-D.com. We also have a mobile app there too. And if you're upset about your assets performance on gold or silver or whatever, or if you have any questions, <laughs> uh, feel free to reach out to me directly. I'm at Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K dot Yip. That's Y-I-P at fmex.com. That's A-P-M-E-X.com. That's great. Are there any educational resources at the site so people can get a little bit more information about that? Or do they mainly focus on calling the people there? Yeah, I would say definitely check out appmex.com. We have a whole education center, which has like, hundreds of pages of materials. You can learn anything about why gold, investing in bullion, investing in numismatics, about the futures market. Anything you want to learn is all there on appmex.com. That's terrific. Patrick, thank you so much for shining a little bit of light, no pun intended, on gold. It probably doesn't need a little bit of light, but helping us better understand what precious metals are in terms of there being an investment and why it might make sense for people to consider them, if not go ahead and purchase them as part of their portfolio, particularly in the time that we're in, which goes back to some of the earlier times that you were reflecting on the 60s and 70s and so forth. My pleasure having you. Thanks for being with us. Great. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward, 
or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.